It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine. The other one of your hosts, you can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Repeat. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Hello, Bengals fans. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. James and I coming to you for this weekend mailbag, the final weekend mailbag of our three episode per week period of the off season. We're back to five episodes next week, and we have got the divisional crossover series returning with the Steelers, Ravens, and Browns hosts as we prepare for training camp in the regular season to get underway. We'll find out if and how scared the rest of the division is of Joe Burrow outside of the cockiness. I'm sure we'll get out of Baltimore, but speaking of Joe Burrow, James, this guy continues to be an exceptional human being. And we will start there before getting in to your questions in the weekend mailbag. At this point, all Bengals fans are aware of Joe Burrow's Heisman speech and the more than $600,000 that that speech resulted in raising for food banks in Southeast Ohio, where Joe Burrow grew up. Now he's taking that a step further, using his platform to establish the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund. This in partnership with the Athens Food Bank and Foundation for Appalachian Ohio, with some additional help from Kroger, from Bose, and People's Bank. This guy continues to excel off the field, before he even does anything in stripes, he's endearing himself to Bengals fans. Isn't that right, James? It's absolutely right. And it's, it's refreshing to see it's, it's kind of crazy. All all the, the bad stuff we've seen over the past few months 
And obviously people are down on their luck with COVID-19. And, and here's the thing I want to point out. Joe Burrow is doing this and using some of the money, obviously, that was donated after his Heisman speech. And then you mentioned the sponsors and the different organizations that are helping. But he hasn't gotten a check yet. It's not like he's passed his physical and he's making NFL money yet or anything like that. Like this is honestly, this is sort of like a unemployed Joe Burrow who's interning for the Bengals until he passes his physical. So the fact that he has this foresight and this want to to make an impact and make a difference and that he also knows that right now is when he needs to do this because that's when Athens and Southeast Ohio needs him because of everything going on with COVID-19. It's great. And I, I don't think you could have asked for a better transition because Andy Dalton was such a, a great guy off the field and everything he did for the, the Cincinnati community and in Texas and his hometown, all that diff different stuff that he did uh, community wise. And now you hand it off to Joe Burrow, who's 23 years old, and there's no doubt about it. He gets it and he wants to make an impact the same way Andy did off the field. And it's a little bit different in that Joe Burrow comes with a superstar factor that Andy Dalton didn't. So he can do some things that Andy Dalton, for all the success and for all of the great things his foundation did, especially with the, the money coming in from Buffalo a few years mm -hmm. ago after he hits that touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd to get Buffalo into the playoffs, he, he still, for all of that, never had the star power of a Joe Burrow. And like you said, James, the ability to do it on his own before he's even taken the field in an NFL facility. He, I'm sure, has raised some sponsor money. He was doing those Nerf commercials with other NFL players you might remember. So I'm sure he's had some money coming in. But he hasn't yet signed that dotted line, so he doesn't have that signing bonus. And... I just think it speaks to his character. He's been outspoken without making sure it's okay with the organization on Black Lives Matter already. And this is another step, doing something tangible for a cause near and dear to his heart. He said in a video on Instagram, I just want to show as much appreciation to this area as I can. Food security is something I'm really passionate about. It's something I've been really thinking about, how I can make an impact on other people's lives. In the past, he's talked about how he didn't realize how much of an impact that money was having, the timeliness, as you mentioned, James, with COVID-19 and people being out of work. So the fact that Joe Burrow has been able to make this impact before even getting to Cincinnati is just really impressive. And I think you make a great point, Jake, his star power. If Joe Burrow works out in the NFL this is only going to get much, much bigger. This is the smallest his fund is going to be. And, and so imagine the people he could potentially help if he ends up being the quarterback that everyone in the Bengals organization thinks he can be. I mean, this this fund, the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund, could be something that, that we're talking about for the next 20 years. It could make such, a, such an impact. Imagine, and Peyton Manning might have done this as a rookie. But imagine if Peyton Manning had done this and then rose to Peyton Manning status three, four, five years later, Super Bowls, MVPs. So there's uh, certainly a, a lot of potential in this. And it's great to see that he's getting a head start in helping people in need. So we will look forward to Joe Burrow, hopefully showing up in Cincinnati to finish up that physical, sign that dotted line, get that signing bonus, continue doing the great work he's doing and play some football too. Until then, 
We are going to keep taking your questions in the Locked On Bengals mailbag coming up next. James, today's episode brought to the people by rockauto.com. I know you like browsing car parts. Have you seen anything cool on rockauto.com that has piqued your interest lately? Well, I got filters there for my 2015 Civic because uh, I don't pay the dealer a bunch of money to replace a cabin air filter. It's pretty easy to do, and you can YouTube it, which I did because I'm not that handy. And it's it's real easy. You go to rockauto.com. They have over 300 different makes. So if you own a Daewoo, I don't know anyone that owns a Daewoo. You might not even know what that is, but they have it. If you have a Ford, they have it. Toyota, any car brand you can imagine, it's there at rockauto.com. It's quick, easy, uh, and right there at your disposal. Head on over to rockauto.com. Check out their selection, their prices that are going to beat any of your local big chain stores. When you make your purchase, they've got a how did you hear about us box. Make sure you're right locked on in there so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, folks, it's Friday, which means it's time for the weekend mailbag on the Locked On Bengals podcast. And the first question we're going to take today, James, comes from Grillmeister, who has been asking about Al Golden for about a month now, and I keep putting him off, and I keep telling him we're going to dedicate a segment to it at some point. Back on June 25th, and for some weeks prior to that, he asked, can you talk about Al Golden and his history and success with linebackers? Such a young group of linebackers, it's a big risk. So let's talk a little bit about where Al Golden comes from. He's 51 years old. He played for the New England Patriots in 1992. He got his start as an offensive coordinator at a New Jersey high school for a year before he went to Virginia as a graduate assistant, Boston College as a linebackers coach, Penn State as a linebackers coach, Virginia as a defensive coordinator, and then he got his break as a head coach at Temple from 2006 to 2010, was a very highly sought-after coaching candidate thereafter when he went to Miami from 2011 to 2015. He then finally came to the NFL as a tight ends coach for the first time in a while, going back to the offensive side of the ball for the Detroit Lions from 2016 to 2017 before coaching the linebackers in Detroit from 2018 to 2019. Now he's in Cincinnati, of course, as a linebacker coach. And are there any parallels here, James? Terrell Austin came from Detroit, too. Should we be worried about that? Give me a reason to not compare Al Golden to Terrell Austin. And to be fair, Bengals fans listening, this isn't a fair comparison just because they both came from Detroit. That would be that would be utter nonsense. I can't believe you're doing this to fans right now because they hear Terrell Austin's name and they probably wanted to forget that because he was awful when he was in Cincinnati. The best thing he did was probably go get Jesse Bates or vouch for Jesse Bates during the draft. But uh, back to Al Golden, 
really he's got a a pretty deep rooted history with the, the linebacker position. You mentioned the University of Virginia. He, he's developing James Ferrier, helped develop him, worked with Jamie Sharper. Uh, he, he coached all Big East linebackers, Frank Chamberlain, uh, Eric Stores, and I'm probably saying their names wrong, but it does seem like he has the, the history behind it. I'll be honest. I didn't know who the hell Al Golden was until 2009 when he was already the head coach at Temple and Brian Kelly had left UC. And I remember him being one of the candidates for the Bearcats vac- uh, the vacancy. And obviously um, it, it didn't go that route. He didn't become the head coach at the University of Cincinnati. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, I think he's a guy that this might be what he is. He might not be a head coach. He might just be a linebackers coach. And that's fine. And he certainly has a, a good opportunity um, to, to mold these young guys and show that he deserves not only to be a linebackers coach long term, uh, but maybe slide into a defensive coordinator role in the future. Yeah, you kind of have to wonder if a guy in his mid 50s is going to get a chance to be a coordinator or a head coach again. He he had his chance about 20, 15 years ago, I guess, from from 2006 to 2015 as a head coach. And Things didn't end very well for him in Miami with Florida State fans raising funds for a Keep Al Golden campaign to troll Miami, I guess. Uh, so th- that doesn't necessarily speak highly of Al Golden. But back when he was the defensive coordinator of Virginia, the Virginia's scoring defense went from 74th in the nation to 17th in the nation, utilizing Al Golden's 3-4 defense. So this is another coach that fits the transition to using more of those 3-4 concepts. And it's not, again, to be clear, the and this isn't a 3-4 defense like Dick LeBeau used to run. This is a 3-4 defense that resembles a 4-3 defense, as, at least as far as we're used to it. Another couple of interesting notes here for Golden. He was the second youngest head coach in NCAA football when he became the head coach at Temple behind my alma mater's Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern. And he did help Temple go from relative obscurity, although they're still pretty obscure, to successful obscurity, at, at least. Going from 11, sorry, 11 losses and one win in 2006 to a 9-3 and three season in 2009. So a considerable rise for him there. So he has had some success. And you mentioned some of those linebackers that he coached. Back at Boston College, Penn State, he was a linebackers coach under Joe Paterno. But since then, I don't really know what Al Golden's done. And so this is the question mark, right? Detroit did not have great linebacker play in 2018, 2019. And before that, he was a tight ends coach. He played as a tight end. So, yeah, I think that the question is fair, Grillmeister. I don't know whether Al Golden is up to this job or not. And I don't think we will know until we see it. But as far as recent track record, it's hard to point to much for Al Golden James. And so just like the rest of this coaching staff, especially for some of these guys in positional coaching jobs, it's a real wait and see kind of deal. It is. And it really does emulate the the entire staff. I mean, Zach Taylor, we don't know what he is and the Bengals are handing him Joe Burrow and expecting him to mold Burrow into this franchise passer. Well, you look at, at these linebackers. This is the first time the Bengals have invested 
assets. I mean, big assets, honestly. I mean, you, you draft three linebackers and you only have seven picks. And then you go sign Josh Bynes in free agency. You draft Jermaine Pratt in the third round last year. They have a lot of assets now in that linebacker position to try to get it better. And they're handing all these young guys over to Al Golden, hoping he can get the job done. And, yeah, there there is no sure thing. And this certainly isn't one. So uh, it's you, you can look at it either way. But he certainly has a chance to make an imprint uh, and impact these young players and get the most out of them. We will have to see how that goes. Our next question comes from Nathan Adkins at Badron Lames on Twitter. Very clever. What do you think about Joe Burrow's Madden 21 rating? 76, James, ahead of Tua Tungavailoa's 73, who is the second highest uh, rated rookie in Madden in 2020. Mm-hmm. 2021, I guess. Highest rated, second highest rated rookie quarterback. They only released the quarterbacks today. Um, and by the way, Joe Burrow getting a 76 certainly means Chase Young is going to be ahead of him rating wise. I'm just preparing Bengals fans now. That's going to happen. 76 is fine. Like, what do you want to give him? You want Madden to give him an 85? He, uh, I looked at all the ratings because I'm a freaking nerd. Like all the different attributes, accuracy. Burrow leads in in all three accuracy categories. He leads uh, in, in a lot of them, uh, strength, um, uh, speed. He's up there. The, the one thing that Madden knocked him on was throwing power. He was tied for ninth among rookie quarterbacks with throw, uh, for throwing power. So that, that is something. And, and all the other three first-round quarterbacks were ranked ahead of him. So Madden, not big on uh, Joe Burrow's arm. Yeah, I don't get it because – what, where was Tua? Did you see where Tua was in, in throw power? Tua because, was ahead of Burrow. I can look it up real quick, but yeah, he was yeah. ahead of he was ahead of him for sure. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. Tua doesn't have a cannon arm either. People talk about Tua. He's quick twitch for sure, and he has that element to his game that Joe Burrow plays a little bit differently. But Tua Tagovailoa does not have a big arm, and if someone's trying to sell you on that, then. Uh, I think they're selling you on something that you shouldn't buy. But as far as him being the best quarterback, you have to like that. You have to like his accuracy ratings, I assume. I don't know enough about Madden to really comment Tua had an 88. on this. So Tua was an 88. Burrow was an 86. So it was pretty close. Tua wasn't in the top either. Jacob Eason was first with a 93, which makes sense to me. Justin Herbert second with a 92. James Morgan third with a 90 tied with Jordan Love. And and James Morgan. And that's throw power. Not going to matter. Probably. Pretty Why? Because his name's James? Come on, Jake. You know me. I don't like Jameses. What's our next question, James? Randy Dalton chimes in at Bando Rusty on Twitter. He says, serious question. With Burrow not really having a true offseason, is it really best for him to be the day one starter? I am an advocate for rookie starting, but I am not sure if it's best due to the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, what's the argument for him not being the day one starter, right? The straw man argument that, that, that you would put out there is you want to protect him. You don't want to David Carr him or whatever. But I, I don't think that's as much a thing in the NFL anymore. I mean, that's the argument, right, James? Is there anything else? Or is it just you don't want him to get killed behind an offensive line that is probably not very good? Well, that's part of it. And the other part of this is, especially with the NFLPA really pushing for no preseason games, and we know how training camp is these days where do you want to put him out there week one without many live reps, 
without this offensive line, which you just mentioned, unproven, expected to be bad, not being able to develop this offseason. And so if they're not going to get in any games, any preseason snaps, any anything, are they going to be ready for week one? The argument okay, could but- be made. How do you get reps if you don't get them in a game? Are you going to play games and give all your practice reps to Joe Burrow and then ask Ryan Finley to go start your games? That doesn't make any sense at all. There's not enough reps in practice for Joe Burrow to get reps and not be the starting quarterback because this is going to be a team that's going to go out there and they're going to try to win games. And they're going to see Joe Burrow as their best way to win those games regardless. So is it is it best for Joe Burrow to to not be the day one starter? I mean, maybe in an ideal world, if he if he was going to learn for a while, but if he doesn't start from day one, he's not getting practice reps. And the only way for him to learn and develop is going to be to get the practice reps, to get the game reps, and he's going to have to take some lumps along the way. Anything else is probably an impractical pipe dream. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about you know, the scenario where if there isn't an NFL season and how that would impact Joe Burrow. And I think we both agree that would be the worst thing for him. Right. So is it less than ideal? Would it, would it have been great if he was walking into a nine and seven situation or a 10 and six situation like Pat Mahomes did and Andy Dalton could have played here for one more year, got him to the playoffs and then Burrow take over after that? Maybe, but he's 23 years old. He's got to get the reps now. And Look, if the Bengals were so damn concerned about holding up the offensive line, I watched Brian Callahan like, yeah, I'm not concerned about the offensive line. If they end up struggling, we'll scheme around it. Like he he didn't have any concern at all. So to me, look, I, I get it. Burrow is going to get hit some, and the offensive line is probably going to be bad again, uh, certainly by uh, you know top of the league standards. The maybe be a, a the twentieth best would be a huge reach. Um, for this offensive line. So to me, that doesn't matter. Burrow needs the reps regardless of what happens. And um, even if they go 2-14, and 2-14 and 14 and Burrow starting is better than 8-8 eight and eight or any other record you could come up with in Burrow not starting. He needs the reps if he's the future. And somebody's going to have to tell me how the hell they get to 8-8 eight and eight with Jake Dolagala or Ryan Finley playing quarterback in the first place. We've got a bunch more questions to get to, James. We spent a lot of time on these first two, so we might have to speed things up a little bit as we finish the questions coming up next. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The mailbag continues. Brown Inc. Banter on Twitter asks, who are our three starting linebackers? Barring injuries, will it change later in the season? So we talked about this camp battle a little bit earlier this week. So if you missed that episode, go check it out. I believe it was the Wednesday episode. And the two starting linebackers, as of today are Jermaine Pratt and Josh Bynes, the unrestricted free agent the Bengals signed. The third linebacker is Logan Wilson from a developmental perspective, from a roundedness of his game perspective. Those are your first three. After that, I think you see sub-package usage for Akeem Davis-Gaither 
and you see if he makes a team, special teams usage for guys like Jordan Evans and Marcus Bailey. But we did talk about the linebackers in quite a bit of depth on Wednesday, so go check that out if you want to hear more about that. Next question comes from Odat at DZE on Twitter, James. He says, I'm impressed with the offseason recruitment, but using a corporate metaphor, I get the feeling that Zach is a good HR guy who can spot talent and recruit them, when what we need is a dynamic CEO who can execute, motivate, and drive up performance levels. Tell him how he's wrong. <laughs> oh, that's like Zach Taylor is Toby Flenderson, and we need Michael Scott. No, I've been watching The Office too long during quarantine. I, uh, I, I don't think anyone knows the answer to that, actually. No one knows what Zach Taylor is. It was an awful roster last year. They were injured. Their best players were injured. And he got kept them playing hard down the stretch. I mean, that's really all you can ask for, from a coach in that position. And they ended up getting a couple of wins. So we'll see what he is. I don't know. I, I get why you would say that because he is buttoned up. He's good at saying stuff without saying anything at all. Right? Oh, we're really excited about Joe Burrow. But he says it with enthusiasm. It feels different after watching Marvin Lewis for 16 years at Paul Brown Stadium. But with that said, I, who's to say he can't execute? Who's to say he can't motivate right? because he doesn't yell as much? I, I think that wears thin too. So I don't think we really know yet. I, I'm going into this year just waiting to see what Zach Taylor brings me essentially and brings the Bengals, and then I'll evaluate from there. Uh, I don't really think we know after a 2-14 and 14 year, given the circumstances, what he is at this point as a head coach. Yeah, that's the issue with Taylor is he didn't really get much of a year one. Did he do a good job of recruiting this year? Maybe, or maybe that was, you know, a combined effort or an aligned vision, as he likes to say, between Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor, where they were just all on the same page and the organization saw what was happening in the fandom and decided we better spend some money this year because we got to get some fans back in this stadium. So is that Zach Taylor? Maybe. Is that the Bengals making a concerted effort to win their fans back over during a roster reset as they did when Andy Dalton came to the team, as they did when Carson Palmer was drafted way back in the early 2000s? Could be. I don't think that this is a reflection on Zach Taylor's ability to execute, motivate, or drive up performance levels. I will echo what James said a little bit in that when Zach Taylor speaks, he's great at coach speak, but he's also consistent and you get the same message from top to bottom, which makes it to me more believable. And in a lot of cases, they followed through on some of the things that they said. So I do believe that he might be a little bit more honest than and 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 forthright than than Marvin Lewis was. But it's it's very hard to know what his aptitude as a head coach will be until we see it. And I think we'll probably learn a lot of this answer this year. Let's keep things rolling here. Andrew asks, if you could attend any Bengals game this season, Jake, which one would it be and why? Oh, easy answer. The best game on the Bengals schedule every year is week four of the preseason against the Indianapolis Colts. If that game doesn't get your blood pumping, oh, man, I don't know what plant. No, I'm just kidding. um, Wait, you were kidding? The game that I would like to go to the most this year for the Bengals. There's some good choices. Seeing seeing the Bengals in Miami, the Tua versus Joe Burrow game, I think would be a lot of fun, especially because late in the year in December, you would expect Tua to be playing. You'd expect both of these guys 
to have their feet underneath them a little bit. But I would also love to go to a home opener in Joe Burrow's first game. So if I had to pick a game uh, as someone who's out of town, as someone who's not going to be in the media like you are, James, at every game, if if things go the way that they yeah, don't you know, potentially don't could jinx. go, uh, I, I would pick the first game. I would pick the home opener for the rookie quarterback. It, that's hard to argue. Uh, I, I That's up there on my list for sure. I'm going to go with – I'm going to take one home and one road game. The road game week two at Cleveland, I think that's going to be such a fun game. I think Baker-Burrow, it's going to be a, a rivalry for years to come. And then week 15, Monday night, Joe Burrow hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers on ESP. I mean this is the time, right, where you, you got to show that you can get over the bullies and uh, and take down Big Ben and the Steelers while you're at home because he's had so much success at, at PBS since he was drafted in 04. So that's uh, those are the two on my list. That's totally fair. I just want to stay out of the division. I, I don't, I, I've, I've hated watching the Bengals play the Steelers for so long that it's just, I want it to be fun to watch. I want it to be like competitive and not ugly. And it I'm changes just, this year. I'm waiting to see that. Year. I'm waiting to see that before I get excited about watching the Bengals play the Steelers again. I haven't been excited to watch the Bengals play the Steelers since 2015. I get that. I totally get that because it, it always feels inevitable. The end, well, the conclusion to it does. It, that's not what it even is for me. It's it's the ugliness. It's it's the taunting and the dirty hits and the and the Mike Munchak grabbing somebody's hair on the sideline. Like it's it's the dirtiness and the vitriol. It has no place in football to me. I mean, I get the football is a violent game. Don't get me wrong. I'm not being soft about it. But it's it's the on top of that stuff that you get in that rivalry that is really unfun for me personally. And I get it. If it appeals to you and you like it getting ugly, sure. You can have your cake your way. It just doesn't appeal to me. Joe Burrow is going to thrive in that environment. Just saying. I, I, I would love that. That would be great. Our next question comes from the Burrowers at bunny 91 on Twitter. James, he wants to know if you could take one player from each AFC North team which three players would you take from, I assume, the other three AFC North teams? <laughs> Fans are about to get so mad. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Well, it's obviously Miles Garrett from the Browns. No one's going to get mad about that one. Right? See, hey, we could really load up on the pass rush here. You go Miles Garrett and TJ Watt, and you just mm-hmm. hit the hell out of the quarterback. I That might be where I go. It's either him or Minka, right? I'd probably go TJ. Yeah. So, all right, I'll go Miles Garrett, TJ Watt. Oh, this is going to make people mad. How do you not take the MVP? How do you not? Because you, you have not Joe take Burrow. Lamar Jackson? And there are other I, really good players in Baltimore. I know who I would take uh, from Baltimore. Who? Well, I'll get there. You have to pick one first. Oh, I, I already did. Lamar Jackson. He's the Lamar reigning Jackson. MVP. He's you younger go. than Burrow. Yeah. I'm not I, saying I don't love Joe Burrow, but like – if you could just take a player, I'm not saying take Baker Mayfield. I'm saying take Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that's fair. And I don't even know in five years if I take Lamar over Burrow. I'm not saying that, but right now, today, of course Lamar is better than than Burrow. Here, here's the only reason that you would take Joe Burrow over Lamar Jackson. It's it's money. Lamar Jackson's about to be a $40 million, $50 million man, just like Patrick Mahomes was. So that's that's you know why you might go a different way with it. Well, so but, is Miles Garrett. True. True. 
You're not All right, wrong. give me your guys. Give me your guys. So so maybe I can backtrack here so too many fans don't don't get mad at me. Who so you got I, in Baltimore? In Baltimore, Marlon Humphrey. Oh yeah. Yeah, you, you love corners, man. I do. You yeah. love corners. You're gonna take Denzel Ward from Cleveland too. No. I, I, I can't not take Miles Garrett from Cleveland, although I wish there was or or no, wait. Who don't don't they have uh one competent offensive lineman? They have Jack Conklin, then they draft I mean they they have an interior lineman. They they drafted Jedrick Wills, but I guess I'm not gonna take a regular yeah. it's Miles Garrett. There's no real argument against any other yeah, it's, player it's Miles than Miles yeah, Garrett it's Miles. in Cleveland. In Pittsburgh though, I do like the Minka Fitzpatrick idea, but I'm going to go David DeCastro here because he was the guy that I wanted the Bengals to draft that year when they took Kevin Zeitler instead. They traded back and they picked an inferior player, in my opinion. Still very good, but I think DeCastro is better. And I and I hate playing against DeCastro because he's so good pulling. And if you get David DeCastro pulling for Joe Mixon, be absolutely lethal. Absolutely lethal. Beside Trey Hawkins, serves up that right guard position. You don't have to think about it for five years. Uh, th- that's that's the guy from Pittsburgh. I'm just laughing because so many people. You went with like the nice roster building moves, and I went with the two lethal pass rushers that don't really fit. Like Miles Garrett fits anywhere, but the Bengals have some pretty good pass rushers too. So now what do you do? And then I went with a quarterback, and the Bengals just took a quarterback. So from a roster building standpoint, you win this round, Jake. Well, I mean, you could trade Joe Burrow in that situation. I guess you could try God, to people trade. People are cringing at this. They're I mean, if, if you had Lamar, I'm just, I mean, if you're going to play out the hypothetical, right? Anyway, that, that's mm-hmm. enough of that probably. Would you trade Burrow for Lamar right now? Yeah. Okay. See, I'm getting you on record too, so I don't get crushed. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I wanted Lamar Jackson that draft and he has a proven track record in the NFL and he's younger. So the, that, it is crazy that he's younger. The That's only reason nuts. you don't is because of money. And it's not like the Bengals are going to use that money. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I like Lamar Jackson as a football player quite a bit. Let's get our last question in, James. The Bengal on Twitter says, why haven't we heard anything or seen anything on Burrow working out or speaking to anyone? I feel like by now the media tends to talk about the number one pick more. Yeah, I mean, we, we got a story from Bengals.com about what he's doing in Athens, and it's a weird offseason. Uh, are we really get like, he's not working out with pro players. I don't know why he's not working out with pro players. I don't know what happened to the designs that he and A.J. Green had on getting players together to throw. We haven't heard anything about that since late June. So... I don't know why the answer is outside of it's a weird off season and players aren't getting together nearly as much. And where they are, they're established veterans. Guys like Cam Newton got getting together with Nikhil Harry in New England today or uh, Tom Brady throwing with his new teammates in Tampa Bay. These are, you know, veterans and stars who, who have actually signed their contracts and I don't think we're really hearing much about any rookies who haven't signed their contracts. And and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, James, and maybe you know more about this than I do from a being in the media perspective, as far as why he hasn't been more prevalently, prevalently available. But I assume it's just because he hasn't signed his contract. He hasn't officially done anything with the Bengals yet. And now that he's drafted, he's just a private citizen doing his thing until he's 
a Bengal. Well, that's probably I would assume part of it. I don't think that's what's kept the the Bengals from working out together. It, the The crazy part about this offseason is I think the the Bengals felt like they had more time. So Burrow gets drafted late April. It's a whirlwind for a week and a half, two weeks. He has to do a bunch of interviews. He's working out and stuff. Suddenly you're in mid May, and then you you exchange texts with AJ Green, say, "Oh, well, I'd love to work out." It gets into early June. You're about to start planning it. Well, then you remember the talks about minicamp? Like there were legitimate talks about there potentially being a minicamp. And I think that uncertainty got in the way of them. I heard they were going to potentially work out in California. And that, and now the COVID cases are rising. We talked about what the NFL Players Association said, don't work out in groups. Obviously, some players are ignoring that anyways. But is it worth it now for Burrow from, to fly from Athens to let's say Los Angeles and AJ Green and Tyler Boyd, who AJ Green's in Atlanta, Tyler Boyd's in Pittsburgh, and all these different guys to fly out to Cali, work out together when they're going to see each other in two weeks. I, I think that's the is is the the reward worth it? And that's something they have to ask themselves. And, and maybe the other thing is they know that this this training camp is going to be extended. They know this camp is going to be a grind because they're going to have to fit a lot in. And, and so maybe that, that's part of it, too. Um, so I don't have any good answer there or the exact answer. I just think sometimes it's hard to coordinate. And unlike – because I've seen it. Josh Allen worked out with his, his guys and all these. They didn't get drafted. They had more time to prepare for this. In March, Burrow was focused on the draft. He wasn't focused on the offseason. And, and so that, that part matters a lot. And so I, I think it will get solved one way or the other. And if they don't work out – they'll have plenty of time in training camp to get stuff done. Let's just look forward to a vaccine and things getting back to normal, right? Because then we'll get all the Joe Burrow coverage in the offseason that we could ever want. Until then, we've got a crossover. The AFC North Ultimate Division crossover returns next week pending some scheduling. We have not yet talked to our AFC North counterparts yet, so we need to get that scheduled, but it is planned for next week. So look forward to that. Until then, Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 